And we find three baptisms in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 12, when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Isn't that powerful? The moment you receive Christ, you join a family. God becomes your father. Jesus becomes your elder brother. You, you get 2.2 billion Christian brother and sisters around the planet. You join a spiritual legacy and you are no longer a, alone. You're now part of a family. Yeah. And when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, baptizes you in to the body of Christ. Number two, we are baptized into water. And how many have ever seen water baptism? Amen. You. What is water baptism? So number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body. Number two, a disciple baptizes you into water. And that's what, if you were here a couple weeks ago, Omar is a disciple. And so as a disciple of Jesus, he baptized many of you into water in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 28. But number three, there's a third baptism. And it is when Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now think about Omar, a disciple, immersing you in water. Yeah. Now imagine Jesus immersing you into the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Let me just clarify a couple of doctrinal things. I'm going to pass through you a little bit. And it might get a little laborious, but I'm, this is for, especially you who are coming from different backgrounds that you go, I've never heard any of this. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit filled you. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, you've been marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee that you're saved. And it's like the moment you got saved, you're this bottle and the Holy Spirit fills you and you're filled, okay? Yeah. That's done and you're saved. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if you could think of it this way, if you were to take this bottle already filled with water and throw the whole bottle in the pool. Amen, somebody. That's good. And now you're not just filled, you're surrounded. Yeah. You're immersed. You are, you've been baptized. That word baptismo in the Greek means to be completely immersed underneath. So you're not just filled with the Spirit when you receive the baptism of the Spirit, but now you're immersed in the Spirit. Surrounded by the Spirit. These are these are things that God would talk about in the Old Testament. They kind of didn't make sense when God would say, I'll go before you. I'll go behind you. Yeah. I'll be to your left and your right. And it's like, Lord, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. He's in me, but he's on me. Yeah. Now, what happens when this happens? Well, let's run through some scripture, Jeff. Here's Mark chapter 1, verse 8. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with or in, that word with or in, same exact 
free plain ones. You can use either one, so don't be caught up with that. He will baptize you with or in. When you get baptized in water, you get baptized with water. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, so say, don't get tripped up by the language. Baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit. This is, this is John the Baptist prophesying. Jesus is coming, and when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here's Acts chapter 1, verse 6. They gathered around Jesus after the resurrection. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. And isn't that just like Christians? It's like, Lord, when are we getting out of here, Jesus? Like from the moment he rises from the dead, they're like, so we, we out of here? We going? You going to restore all things? You going you gonna to kick Rome in the butt? We going out? That was, we're the same way today. That's why we buy Bible prophecy books and watch Left Behind and think every think everything that happens on CNN is a sign that Jesus is coming back tonight. And because because we're still convinced that God wants us to get out of here. That's right. But maybe God wants to get in here. Yeah. Yeah. Because look what He says. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by His own authority. Yeah. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But in John 20, Jesus breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Notice this? They're already filled with the Spirit. But now the Spirit of God's going to come upon them. Stop talking about how we're going to get out of here and go be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By the way, I preach in Wellington, New Zealand every year at a church called Arise Church. Wellington, New Zealand, on a, on a map, is the furthest point away from Jerusalem possible. And so I get to preach in the uttermost parts of the world every every year. I love it. And, and come on, how many know the gospel is going around the world? And we're all trying to get out of here, but I believe the kingdom is trying to get in here. So he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what happens? You receive power. That's what I want for you. Power over depression, power over addiction, power over the devil, power over sickness and Amen. disease, power over insecurity, power over fear, power. Yeah. That word power is the, is the Greek word dunamis. It means dynamite. It's explosive. It's wow. It's whoa. It's goosebumps. It's whoa. Yeah. Acts 19 verse 6. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior to arrive at Ephesus. And there he found disciples. Everyone say disciples. These are Christians who believe in Jesus, believe in the resurrection. They're saved, y'all. They're going to heaven. But look what he asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. That's in your Bible. Many of you, I've had coffee with many of you, and you ask questions like this. So what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit what is this tongues thing? What is this Pentecostal thing? What is this Holy Spirit thing? 
They go, we, we don't even know. What, what are you talking about, Holy Spirit? We love Jesus. I know you love Jesus. But do you have the Holy Ghost? Yeah. And this is coming from a guy that saw Jesus in Acts 9. In his glorious state of resurrection. Paul could have said, all you need is Jesus. No, he said, okay, you got Jesus, but you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, brother, when I receive Jesus, I receive the fullness of the Spirit. No, you receive the Holy Spirit. But John is, Paul is specifically saying, did you receive the baptism of the Spirit? Verse 3, what baptism did you receive? He said, John's. In other words, we repented. We believed in Jesus. He goes, good, but John's baptism was only for repentance. He told the, the one to believe in the one who was coming, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus. And then Paul places his hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues. And they prophesied. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive the power of God. Boldness to be a witness. And now catch this terminology I'm about to use, especially for my, my friends who have been raised in Pentecost and charis, charismatic circles. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive the opportunity to function in the gifts of the Spirit. So I don't believe tongues, again, this is only for some of you in this room. I don't believe tongues is the evidence of the Spirit. I believe tongues is a blessing of the Spirit. And I believe every person who receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues. That's right. But see, the Holy Ghost saying, I'll come up to you tonight and grab your tongue. Because you know what? He does it. That would be inconsistent with everything he does in your life. Everything he does in your life is by faith. Yes. He doesn't make you read the Bible. He doesn't make you tithe. He didn't make you worship. And he's not going to make you speak in tongues. Everything in God is by faith. Only faith pleases God. So the fact that they spoke in tongues and prophesied means they chose to speak in tongues and they chose to prophesy. Now, some of you, again, I'm, I'm pastoring you, okay, for a second. Some of you go, okay, but I've read 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians 12 specifically says, do all speak in tongues? No. Let me give you my answer. By the way, you don't have to agree with this. Amen? Like, we still cool. Like, you might think LeBron is better than Michael. I still love you. You're wrong, but I love you. And, and in the same way, you might not agree with what I'm about to say, but so we don't need to like freak out on what we disagree with, okay? So Paul says, do I speak in tongues? He was asking this because he was saying no, but here's, here's what Paul was saying. He lists the nine gifts of the Spirit. Miracles, healing, faith, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, interpretation of tongues and tongues and what am I missing? And wisdom. Okay. Do all have the gift of miracles? No. But can you believe God for a miracle? Yes. Do all have the gift of faith? No. But can you walk by faith and not by sight? Yes. 
Are all called to the office of the prophet? No. But can you get a word from God? Yes. Do all have the supernatural gift of wisdom where it's spring? Boom, the wisdom of God comes upon your life and you know exactly what to do. No, not all have that gift. But according to Proverbs 4, can we seek wisdom as the principal thing? Yes. Do we all have the word of knowledge? Can we all get uh, uh, specific God thoughts and, and, and have that exact gift? No, but can all get a word from God and, a, and, and supernatural knowledge in the moment to do what God wants you to do? Do all have the gift of healing? No, but can everyone lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Do all interpret tongues? No. But can God give you that ability in a moment? Of course, because he does it with every other gift. And here's what I'd say. Do all speak in tongues? No, but I believe all can speak in what I call a prayer language. It may not be the office of the gift of tongues. That's good. It may not be the Acts chapter 2 speaking in tongues in that case. I believe it is what we're about to read in 1 Corinthians 14. It's, it's what Paul calls praying in the spirit. Yeah. That's right. So I just want to set that right off the bat. No, not all, no, not all have the gift of tongues with interpretation. But can all pray in the Spirit? Of course. Because every time the Holy Spirit came upon people in Acts, they prayed in the Spirit. That's right. And if Acts is our blueprint, why wouldn't it not happen today? Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. But the gift of tongues in Acts chapter 2 was to people. Yeah. So this is different. Indeed, no one understands that. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Amen. Well, I don't know what I'm saying, but God does. By the Spirit, capital S, that's not a demonic spirit. That's not even your human spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. I speak mysteries by the Holy Spirit. Good. Keep going. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Yeah. That word edify means to build. It means to build up. It means to form structure. Do you know how you get stronger spiritually? You pray in the spirit. Amen. When you speak in tongues, you get stronger. It's like Popeye spinach. Yeah. <laughs> it's like five-hour energy. It's like a double-shot latte, but it's to your spirit. And you, you edify. It's like lifting weights. It, it edifies you. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Yeah. See the difference here? I okay, here's a big statement, verse 5. I didn't say it, Paul said it. The apostle Paul. Let's get churchy. The apostle Paul. <laughs> the greatest apostle that has ever walked the planet. The one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The one who saw Jesus face to face. The apostle Paul. The one who went to heaven and saw things he said, I can't even talk about. He said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Amen. Dang. I didn't say it. And 
then he says, he says this, and I'll tell you why he says it. He says, but I would rather you prophesy. Here's why. Because tongues had become so important to the Corinth church that they were neglecting the other gifts. So he was bringing correction. Now, we obviously don't have this problem with tongues in our church because we never do it on Sunday. So we're obviously not. Like literally, the Corinth church was a mess. Read First Corinthians, OMG. Stepsons are sleeping with their stepmamas. First Corinthians chapter 11 says that they were getting drunk during communion. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is like a mess. Uh, uh, the, the, the women were getting saved right from temple prostitution and still coming in dressed like temple prostitutes. That's why he says, cover your head because they were shaving their heads to show that they were temple prostitutes. That's why he said to cover their heads. I mean, it was a mess. Paul, if you read First Corinthians, false tent. <laughs> he actually doesn't say to do much. He says a lot what not to do. This is one of the few times he actually says to do something. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, no, 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 no. I do want you to speak in tongues, though. No, 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 no. Okay. So Paul wants us to do this because it builds us up. They were so out of order, by the way, uh, that at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, he actually says, guys, I'm going to give you an order of service. You can read it. He says, sing a couple of songs. No more than two prophecies. No more than a tongue and an interpretation. He literally has to give them a breakdown of how to have church and says, don't, don't leave this order because y'all are so crazy and so out of order that this is how you're going to do church. That's how, I mean, he was dead, okay? Look at this, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, or, or stay there, I'm going to get there. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is 14, 14. Okay, here's what he says. When I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is why a lot of people have a hard time speaking in tongues. Because you, you overthink it. Is this even real right now? Is this just emotion? What am I saying? Am I making myself do this? Or is the Holy Spirit doing this? Is this God or the anointing or emotion? Or... And then you never do it. Paul said, when you speak in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. You know that they have done test after test after test of brain function while speaking in tongues. And in the frontal lobe of your brain where, where language is developed, it literally doesn't register when you speak in tongues. It bypasses your mind. Paul knew that 2,000 years ago. It bypasses this and it's your spirit. That pray. That's why Jesus said, out of your belly, not out of your mind, out of your belly would flow living water. Verse 15. So what should we do? I will. Everyone say, I will. Okay. Does this look like the Holy Spirit's going to fly to you and make you do something you don't want to do? No. I will. You know that you willed to come to church today? Yeah. The Holy Spirit didn't drive your car, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I will pray in the Spirit. And I will pray in my understanding. As, as much of it is a choice to 
pray in English, it is that much of a choice to pray in tongues. Amen. That's why I won't deal with people. If somebody, if I'm preaching on a Sunday and somebody says, blah, 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 I'm going to shut it down. Oh, Pastor, the Holy Ghost came on me. No, it's a will. So don't tell me the Holy Ghost took over. No. You, you, it's a, it's a choice of your will. And that's why, if, if you don't believe this, you'll be out of order in church. And then when you really need tongues out on Monday, you won't have it. Because you think it only comes upon you when the music's just right and the preacher gets just right and the goosebumps are just right. And, and that's, the, that's the wrong application. The right application is it's Monday and all hell's broken loose and you don't know what else to pray. You don't know what else to say. You don't know what other scriptures to declare. You are tired. You are broken. You are beat up, busted, disgusted. And if you speak in English, you're only going to say cuss words. So you... I will do it. I won't cuss you out if I don't do this. I will sing in my spirit, but I will also sing in my Is the Holy Spirit telling you to do that? No, I will sing in the Spirit. Now, are we going to do that on a Sunday with new people? No. But can we do it in a believer's meeting? Absolutely. Imagine in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, they start speaking in tongues. Imagine people going, guys, 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 you're out of order. We need an interpretation. It was 120 believers. Does that make sense? So, we're not going to abuse the gift and we're not going to turn Sunday mornings into a Pentecostal social club for the spiritually elite. But this is your warfare on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's right. Helping anybody. Yeah. Okay, one more scripture we're going to pray. John 16, verse 7. I tell you, it's good that I'm going away. This is Jesus pre cross, pre resurrection. He's saying, Guys, I'm about to go. I'm about to leave and go to heaven. But it's good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Sam, can you come up real quick and give an example of this? When he said advocate, every person in the, in the room knew what he meant. But we don't know. Because we don't use that word anymore. Well, Pastor Mitch did for a long time. Shout out to advocates. But we don't use that. That's so old school. That was just for you. Uh, that's, you had a mustache, I think, at that time. Uh, <laughs> I asked Pastor Mitch on Saturday, I said, can you bring back the stash? He said, no, I will not bring back the stash. Don't worry, I'm not going to punch you or anything. When he said advocate, it's, we don't know what that means. It's a Greek word called parakletos. It is the 
it is their terminology for a defense attorney. An advocate was someone you would pay for. Same way you pay for a lawyer today. Okay? And so, uh, if you were going, if Sam was in trouble and he had to go to court, he would hire me to be his advocate. Um, only the wealthy could do it. Only those with, with a lot of means could do it. It wasn't for everybody. But you would hire a defense attorney. And here's what would happen. We would walk into the courtroom like this. It's a sign of covenant. It's a sign of, I know his weakness, but we in this. That's good. And if you got a problem with him, you got a problem with me. So let's go. And the judge would begin to ask him questions. And the advocate would say, excuse me, judge. I need to talk to my client. And he would know what to say. And the judge would say, well, what do you think about that? And Sam would look back and be like, well, how do I answer that? And the advocate was his wisdom, his defense, his comfort, his friend, hear me, his voice. Judge, I just, I just don't, let me, uh, so, Judge, actually, what he means to say is, when you get to praying and you don't know what to pray, and Paul said, Romans 8, what do I do when I've run out of words? And he said, oh, I thank God for the advocate, Romans 8, because the Spirit will pray through me. And he uses this crazy Greek word, he says, with a groan. It's a, it's a, in the Greek language, it's an unintelligible language. In other words, when I don't know what to say, I'm going to let Holy Spirit say. When I don't know what to do, I'm going to let Holy Spirit speak. When I've run out of words, I'm going to let Holy Spirit speak. When, I, when I've run out of knowledge, when I've run out of I've confessed the scripture and I've declared the word and I've prayed and I've prayed in Jesus' name and I've done all I know to do and I'm out of words. Yeah. And I don't know what to do and I don't know what else I can say. I love to put, uh, thank you. I love to put Goldie down for bed and I'll, I'll take her in the room. I'll lay her on me. We'll get in her rocking chair. And I'll just pray in the spirit. I don't know what I'm saying. He does. Yeah, that's right. I bet. I bet the Holy Spirit's saying, "Make him a better dad. <laughs> help him love this girl. Father, help him be a better husband. Father, give him wisdom when he's run out of wisdom. And I don't even. And I'm just and I have no idea what Holy Spirit saying. He's got to go preach up and give him a word up. And, and he's praying through me with a groan. I don't understand. My mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is praying. And the reason I'm emotional, and excuse me for being emotional, but 
when I was 15 years old, October 1999, 16 years old, October 1999, I was in a prayer meeting and what felt like hot oil came on the top of my head. And I began to pray in the Spirit. And I've never gone a day without it. Amen. And when you don't know what to say, yeah. I promise you, I don't roll up on Sunday mornings going, oh, we're going to kill it today. Oh, it's going to be a great day. Oh, man, I got a word from heaven. Oh, our worship is fire. Oh, ain't nobody in my church like us. Oh, we're killing it. I promise you if you were in the car with me my face would look like this worship music would be gone I'd have one, one hand on the wheel and another hand in the air going because people are going to come in and they're sick and people are going to come in and they need a word and people are going to come in and they got a broken heart People are going to come in. They need a miracle. And there's going to be people that have been, friends have been praying for months and yeah. weeks and yeah. years yeah. that that friend would come into church on a Sunday morning and they finally show up. And God forbid I walk in with pride. God forbid I walk yeah. in like I know yeah. what I'm doing. I walk in praying in the Spirit saying, Oh, the Spirit. You better preach this morning. Because only you have the words. I'll be true. with a friend this week and he said, Jacob, I love the music. I love the preaching. I even like when you talk in the offering. The kids love kids. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit, I get a little nervous. And I said, brother, let me tell you why you love the preaching. <laughs> Let me tell you why you love the music. Let me tell you why your kids beg you to come back on a Sunday morning. Let me tell you why you love our church. Because we're not that slick. I'm not that gifted. We're not that good. But we invite the Holy Spirit. And what you like isn't me. What you like is him. You just don't know it yet. Are you saying? Oh man, I love you, Jesus. We're gonna pray a prayer. So we're gonna like this. I want you to lift your hands, close your eyes. Say, Jesus, I want everything you have for me. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I want everything heaven has for me. So I surrender. 
I yield my body to you. I give you my voice. I give you every part of me. Holy Spirit, fall on me.